0: Welcome to another episode of What's on the Pile. I'm Nathan Besner, and joining me is Shane Lee. Hello. And Jenner. Present. It's an action movie double feature this episode, starting with the Raid Redemption. Uh, Gareth Evans' 2011 frenetic action film, followed by Dread, starring Carl Urban and Lena Hetty, based on the Judge Dread comic book series. Uh, Let's start with The Raid, uh, a film about a squadron of cops infiltrating the housing structure run by a violent drug lord, and when things go south, the cops simply must survive. Um, I believe I was the only one who had this on his pile. This was on my pile as well, actually. Oh, this,
1: oh okay. this is one that I had been wanting to get around to for quite a while, up to and in, in, including uh, uh, getting the uh, Blu-ray box set of both of the Raid movies. Now I still need to see the second one. But, uh, you know, I had been uh, waiting for the right
2: opportunity on this one. Yeah, I still need to see the second one, too. I own both. I, I feel like I saw the Raid Redemption originally in the theater, and uh, this time I watched my Blu-ray that I've owned for a long time. It's the unrated version, which I... Think is the first time I've watched this particular version, but I, I couldn't tell you what was different. Um, but uh, I did I have.
1: Can't, I can't imagine that an R-rated version would be significantly less violent.
2: Yeah, I d- didn't remember anything different. I did have trouble on my Blu-ray finding the Indonesian audio track. It wasn't in the audio menu, so I started watching it thinking I'm gonna have to sit through this dub, and it was a really bad dub. <laughs> I, I had to go through like so. I was, I was watching it on my Xbox. I had to go through like the Xbox system menu to find the audio track. It, like it wasn't. The, the audio menu only had original score or the Mike Shinoda score, no
1: I, I I think that was uh, that was the thing. If you chose the original score, you got the original uh, audio track, the original Indonesian audio track. Uh, if you chose the Mike Shinoda score, you got the dub. I think that was how that okay. worked. Okay, interesting. So I,
2: I I guess I didn't hear the the, uh, the Mike Shinoda uh, soundtrack. I mean, did it sound like Linkin Park? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I didn't I watched the uh, the Indonesian soundtrack as well so I honestly wouldn't know. Okay. I watched I it thought on, I okay. thought I thought it sounded
0: like Tangerine Dream more than anything else actually. <laughs> um I That's, watched it that, on Amazon and it was uh I watched the unrated version which is what like a minute longer.
2: I guess so I have no idea.
1: H- having having only seen the unrated version at this point I can't imagine how this film could be Cut at all, <laughs> uh, and have it make either a lick of difference. Uh, if you're going to cut this movie, you're going to cut it to seventy-five minutes. Um, yeah. If if you're trying to get uh, uh, to get a good safe R rating out of it, this is one of the most violent frickin' movies I have ever seen, and it was awesome. Yeah, uh, yeah, yep.
0: it really, that, it really is. It's uh, I, I was saying to Jess as I was watching it. I think this is one of the few times I'm watching a pure action film. Absolutely, yep. that's
1: that. That is, uh, I think, a very accurate characterization of this picture. Uh, but uh, yeah, let's let's continue. I mean, and
2: it and it really is structured like a video game. It's literal levels, and there are some bosses you have to fight, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, I
0: definitely got the video game vibe out of it. I, I wrote, uh, uh, Tama has too many mini-bosses.
1: <laughs> now, the, uh, 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 possibly getting ahead of ourselves a little here, but Mad Dog, uh, Ma- Mad Dog was an interesting little guy. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I find it interesting that basically the final boss uh, is, is actually the, uh, uh, the the last sub-boss, and when they get to the final, final boss, uh, it, it's not too far removed from something that I think I always wanted from an RPG where, you know, the evil overlord says, you have killed every one of the 3,000 freaking guys that I have sent to kill you. You know what? I give. Please don't kill me, Mr. Superman. <laughs> <laughs>
2: and he's, he's a rookie, right? They mentioned that he was a rookie. Yeah, uh, yeah. How yeah. how how the hell is he so good? Like,
1: he he is a distinctly talented uh, rookie. Let let's talk uh, about. I am gonna pronounce his name uh, incorrectly, and I apologize for that advance. Let us talk about Aiku Ueas. Okay. Or, yeah, the uh, the the very charismatic lead of this picture, an absolute whirling tornado of fucking guys up. That <laughs> that, that that is what this dude is in this movie. Uh, but at the same time, a very charismatic performance in uh, a not incredibly well developed character. I mean, the movie itself is a massive collection of familiar tropes. It's just the execution and i mean execution uh in this movie that uh, that that makes it so singularly compelling
2: no, I yeah, I, I... I, I was surprised looking him up. I, I don't know how to say his name either. I was surprised that he hasn't been brought over to Hollywood because, or he maybe he has in some smaller roles. But I remember he was... ha,
1: he had a bit in The Force Awakens apparently. Yeah.
2: Oh, he did. Interesting because I don't yeah. like you know like Tony Jaw had a big thing like in the early two thousands like with Ong Bak and stuff like that. He ended up as a minor villain in one of the Fast and Furious movies, and uh, Mad Dog was one of the one of the final bosses in John Wick Three. They brought him over. Oh. And I
1: I, I haven't seen that yet. what so. that together. I, I, I,
2: I went and watched that fight again because you know because Mad Dog was amazing in this. It's funny that how how much slower and more clumsy the the John Wick fight is because obviously Keanu he trains his ass off that's well documented but he's not like a lifelong martial artist. So watching him fight Mad Dog in John Wick three while still awesome was nowhere near the heights of what we saw Mad Dog and in, in in our in our hero doing in the raid. It was, it was kind of interesting but it was still cool to see him there.
1: It's one of those things that I think possibly points up the distinction between sort of American-style martial arts versus, uh, uh, versus the classical uh, Eastern uh, martial arts. The Eastern martial arts are dance-like. They're, you know, fluid. They are, uh, you know, choreographed from beginning to end. I think of American martial arts, I think the best American martial arts movie fight that I ever saw uh, outside of the John Wick movies, which were realistically a lot more gun kata than you know, uh, you know, hands and fists, you know, flying. Although there was a lot of that as well. I think of the convenience store fight from Gross Point Blank. <laughs> Just a couple of guys doing their damnedest to hurt the ever-loving hell out of each other. <laughs> I would it, think it, they it's live. Clum- it's clumsy and it uh, it's well, that was more wrestling. That's a very different style in its own right. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll, also, an absolutely beautiful fight in its own right. But, uh, very, very different animal.
0: I don't remember the one from Gross Point.
1: Gross Point, uh, uh, point uh basically, blank. basically, John, uh, uh, John Cusack versus the quote-unquote Basque whacker from the Pyrenees. Uh, you know, just you know, kind of you know, kicking the shit out of each other and doing their damnedest to cause each, cause each other massive injury. <laughs> whereas, whereas, what we get in, um. What we get in the raid is freaking when, uh whenever they let it. Uh, I mean, it's you know, uh, like you're, you're whirling, you're kicking five guys simultaneously, you're shiving three of them at the same time. Uh, no, yeah, uh, Ueas' moves are amazing, but he's a very charismatic actor as well, and I think you're absolutely right. I think somebody is seriously miss- missing a bet, uh, not schlepping him over here. You know, teaching him functional English a la Jackie Chan and just giving him all the damn money to fight guys on screen.
0: I absolutely loved his performance uh, in the when he's stuck behind the wall and uh, the mini boss oh, yeah. has the machete and sticks is sticking it through the wall and it cu- cuts him right across the cheek. And his uh, is kind of the way he holds himself in that scene is fantastic. And just the beautiful detail of, you know,
1: catching the blade to make sure that it doesn't come out with any blood on it. That was a Mm. wonderfully specific and intelligent detail that frankly didn't occur to me until Jane pointed it out. Hmm. Point of order, Jane frickin' loved this movie as well. She's (laughs) sorry she can't be here this week. Uh,
2: Was it her first time as well? Yes, yes it was. Oh, awesome.
1: It's great. It's sort of amazing that she didn't see it with her ex-husband, who was a uh, a pathological action movie devotee as well. Uh, but uh, I mean,
2: and not to jump ahead, but we all need to see the. Ra- None of us have seen the Raid Two. I'm assuming I still haven't seen the Raid Two. We no, need to I'm come. Not. We we need to come yeah, back, need to for, back for that
1: and do like a double feature of sequels uh, at some point. Yeah, you know, uh, se- sequels I, where we've saw the seen the original but haven't seen the uh, the sequel.
2: I, I do know that Part Two has a lot more story to it. It has a lot more. You know, police stuff in it, and a lot more plot, and it still has the fights and stuff, but it's it's a much longer movie, a much slower burn from what I've heard, but also still is good, maybe in a different way. Interesting. So,
1: well, I mean, it's uh, it's interesting that this is actually the second Gareth Evans movie out of not a whole lot of Gareth Evans movies, realistically, that are available uh, that we've uh, that we've done on this show, and of course, uh, we uh, uh, we got to uh, Apostle uh, several, several weeks, uh, a couple of months ago. Mm. Uh, still an absolutely fascinating director as far as I've seen, uh, not least for being a Welsh filmmaker living and working mostly in Indonesia, except of course when he goes back to the Isles to make folk horror. Mm. Really, really nasty, bloody, sweaty folk horror. And I think it's the bloody and sweaty that is the thing that aesthetically carried over most from the Raid, uh, certainly the first Raid movie, uh to Apostle. This is a movie where everybody is tense yeah. and
0: worn the hell out. Uh I I do think another trait of his, uh, filmically is uh he he has a very cool color palette. And in this movie there were times where the color palette was so muted it was almost monochrome. It, I'll agree with that absolutely. No, it's uh, it, it, it's it's
1: a cold looking picture, but uh no, yeah, he uses uh, he uses that uh, that palette very carefully. I think it's, mm-hmm. uh, I don't, I, I, it, it's meticulously photographed, which it had to be in order to catch the sheer level of detail in all of the fight sequences that are absolutely, positively the meat of this picture.
0: Well, I also noticed that uh, the camera work tends to be very claustrophobic, um, even though it, it would they you could see everything that was going on it. It was a very tight camera. There weren't a lot of long shots. There there were a lot of medium shots where people were trapped behind things, and uh, and that sort of thing.
2: And just you know, despite the close shots, you never got the sense they were cutting away to you know to stick in a stunt double or if someone didn't get a kick right or something. Like you see very clearly the the, the physical things that the actors are all doing. Yeah, which is very impressive.
1: Yeah, there were uh, several points in the movie where I had the firm conviction that. That guy was not supposed to land like that. <laughs> uh, most especially in uh, the uh um uh, the uh, the sequence in I guess it's a meth lab, uh the uh, the lab or t- uh, the, uh, the lab where they're making the drugs in uh the uh, the high rise in this uh, in this picture. Um but yeah, that that was an interesting instance of one of those fights that just goes on and on, and guys keep appearing from out of nowhere. It's a fun thing to go through the credits of this movie. It's it's like drug lab goon number eighteen is uh, is a credit of record in this movie. Yeah.
0: Oh yeah, the, in the credits, the the numbers just kept going up and up for for. Oh,
2: goon I didn't type. even notice that.
0: It was very funny.
2: Which is funny because in John Wick 2, Mad Dog is credited as Shinobi Number 2 because the final fight is with two guys. One of them's Mad Dog, one of them's somebody else. Um, so he didn't even get a name in that movie. But it was... Yeah. I mean, it was, it was enough... Even though I, I said earlier the fight was, you know, a little lame compared to the raid, it was enough that it stuck out to me that, I mean, hey, that's the guy from the raid. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Even though I hadn't seen the movie. I, you know, I barely remembered this movie. Um, I forgot how quickly the cops get their asses kicked when they show up. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I see... So you know in the beginning of the movie they're on the, the truck or the bus getting there and like the one guy kind of summarizes everything they need to do And I'm thinking oh, yeah, this is the whole this is gonna be the whole movie Just them fighting their way up. I didn't remember that. It was just mostly this one guy also dragging another wounded guy um, and Just trying to survive basically. I guess it's not much of a hero's journey if he's got <laughs> an entire force behind him <laughs> You know Gandalf has to die Dumbledore has to die the entire police force has to die
1: I mean in this case uh uh I guess Dumbledore uh got uh got taken care of by Mad Dog and uh Gandalf it turned out uh was was dirty so yeah yeah <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, the the, the author- this is a movie where the authorities uh, where the authority fig- figures will let you down but uh you know one low guy with uh, one lone guy with Crazy, crazy martial arts prowess will get the job done.
0: <laughs> I found a lot of recent uh, uh, martial arts-related American projects owe a lot to this as well. well like uh, I think Daredevil owes a lot to the the shooting style of this film. They they look very similar. I can yeah, definitely for... see that.
1: Uh, I mean, uh, this is uh, this is not the mother of all hallway fights.
0: No, uh, I mean that would that, be that, old boy probably. That...
1: That would absolutely be old boy. But this has some pretty amazing hallway fights. Mm. And you can definitely see just from the way that the camera roams uh, in, in a lot of those sequences, def- you can see an influence on the way that uh, that uh, the Netflix Daredevil series uh, kind of spun off from it in spots.
0: It's also very visceral, which, uh, which I found the Daredevil fight sequences to be just that visceral uh, uh, frenetic action. Uh, this, is,
1: this is what they mean by, or when they're talking about bone-crunching action.
0: Right, right. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely.
2: I want to talk a little bit, I, okay, I don't know the actor's name, but the guy who played Andy, again, I, I forgot almost all this movie, but as soon as he showed up, I was like, that guy seems way too charismatic to just be a henchman. He's just going to be some kind of twist. He's going to know the hero or something. And of course, maybe I was remembering a little bit and just didn't realize it, but uh, I thought he was great. I uh, hope he's in part two. I, I'm gonna assume he's in part two, but uh, you know, I I I just thought he was he was he uh, he carried himself very well and, and was engaging on screen.
0: Yeah, I liked. I wanted to know what his job was really, because I wanted to know even more about him, because I really liked that character a lot as well. And I, figure, I liked the performance. I figure conciliary. Uh I like the yeah. idea that he was somebody
1: who came from a good home and just kind of ultimately found that his best life was. Advising a criminal
2: overlord—that,
1: <laughs> that, as he says himself, that's the thing that he's good at.
2: I mean, just the fact that his voice over the intercom or the PA calms everyone the fuck down. It's like, oh, this guy—they they respect this guy. This guy's, you know, high up there. He's—he's—he's he's, he's definitely the guy in charge. Which so I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, it,
1: the only person in the movie who—the only people in the movie who could fight better than he could uh, were his brother and Mad Dog. <laughs> <laughs> he's a formidable, formidable fellow
0: i I do have to admit i was uh, I was very sad that uh, Jocko got killed i I liked him a lot I liked him as a character and I liked his his performance as well um, so when he bit the when he got his neck snapped, I was very, very sad: Oh and just
2: the way he was just struggling to get his arm up there and try yeah. to prevent. Mad dog it was mad dog right that was doing it, yeah, yeah yeah, that was yeah. Mad dog. Just, just just trying to get the arm up there just oh uh, no uh, yeah, that was that was brutal, but yeah. but very effective and pretty awesome,
0: yeah, yeah, definitely effective, yeah, absolutely um i uh, I guess uh Rama was given just enough backstory to be somewhat of a character at least with his uh pregnant wife at home, who
2: does she have a line? I don't recall, no, we find out that she's pregnant like halfway through the movie in like a two second flashback right. Or am I well, no, she she th- was pregnant from no? the very beginning. Oh, yeah. I must have missed that. Well, yeah. if you're not
1: if you're not looking toward her belly, you probably wouldn't notice it. Probably just think she was bedridden or something like that. Yeah, but, yeah.
2: No, she says something
1: like, you know, come back to me or come back to us. Something to that extent. the The movie is rife with cliches. It, the The movie is you know one cliche after another from beginning to end. You know, the dueling brothers. You know the uh, the uh, the uh, the, uh, the noble cop uh, who you know dies in the line of duty. Uh, You know, the uh, the ambush, you know, the kid runners, the uh, the dirty cop at the top whose fault the whole thing was in the first place. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. (laughs) See this fucking movie. See this fucking movie. Bring popcorn. Bring friends. Get ready to say damn, damn, damn (laughs) over and over and over again. To the point where I appreciated those bits where the character stuff did kick in, just as a catch, chance to catch my breath. Yeah, frankly.
0: yeah, catching your breath during this movie was very, <laughs> it was very difficult. Uh, it had a, was...
1: had a lot of smoke breaks even yeah. then. <laughs> it's it's a
0: fast movie. It really gets in there uh, quickly. It's lightning fast uh, from the editing to the
1: camera work. Another fine example of, uh, of that Cracker Jack that I'm always going on about. Yes. Except, of course, this one was absolutely Cracker Jack from the ground up. This was, you know, this was just, you know, get in, get the job done, get the hell out. And that's you know, kind of mirrored by the plot of the movie itself, uh, even if they didn't quite intend it to go that way, uh, or the characters didn't quite intend it to go that way.
0: <laughs> when, when all the cops got killed so early and the thing, I was like, where the hell are they going to go with this? What can they possibly do? And it just never stopped.
2: Yeah, and and a lot of times, especially like an American version of this movie, which I hope they never make, this movie will usually Mm. open with like a shorter, sort of unrelated, think like speed, like a shorter, sort of unrelated action scene that might come into play later. But to sort of introduce you to the characters and their abilities, this one, no, we're just going straight to this one building and that's all they're going to do is just this Uh, one uh... building.
1: I, w- I was going to say we may actually circle back on that sentiment a little bit later on. Yeah, I, I didn't <laughs> yeah. want to jump ahead,
2: but yeah. That's kind of what I was thinking about.
1: Spoilers! Uh, but that's okay. It's okay. It's really alright. I don't know. It's not a profound film. It's, uh... It-, it It's, you know, glorious staging. Uh, I mean, distinctive enough action choreography that it sticks with you in spite of not really having anything terribly profound outside of a lot of the clichés. I mean particularly of Asian uh, cop movies, but realistically cop movies in general. Doesn't matter. The sheer bravura of the execution of the movie is what makes this a, you know, short list all-time action classic.
2: Yeah, for sure. Just turn off your brain, don't worry about it. Just just enjoy the visuals. Yeah, just watch that
1: just watch that one guy doing what? What did he do to that guy? How did he do that to the... Oh, his head. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) You know, when thinking about other action movies, um, I I always put Die Hard as probably the best action movie I had ever seen. I just thought it was a perfect example of the genre. Um, But I think I might like this better than Die Hard. I really enjoy i really enjoyed this film and and how it was constructed it was uh it was all in the execution the execution was phenomenal
1: it it, it approaches platonic ideal it, it is as as shane said turn your brain off and just watch the action and the action like i said when it stops you're grateful for it and it doesn't stop for long but you know the sheer array of injuries visited upon characters in this movie <laughs> Uh, you know, the, the, the sheer intensity, uh, both of the characterization and the situations in which the characters find themselves, the, the, the villains as much as anything else. I mean, good Lord, let's talk about that dude with the crazy eyes and the machete. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I mean, he,
0: you, you, he was freaky.
1: It's one of those movies where there's lots of people with no name, but they stick with you. Like, the dude with the crazy eyes and the machete. Mad Dog isn't even actually a name. Mad Dog is just a description that that particular character received right at the beginning of the movie. <laughs> he's never called by any direct address. He's just, you know, there's Andy and that other guy. That yeah, you, other guy you, who is a Mad Dog.
2: You see his face, you don't need anything else. You know who he is, you know what he's going to do. It just it just works.
1: I mean, you, you get that first moment of... Okay, which one's Andy and which one's Mad Dog? But the more you look, the more your eyes are drawn toward the shorter dude. You're thinking, Yeah, that's yeah, well, Mad Dog. Didn't they describe that's
2: one? Didn't hey. they describe one of them as like the brain and one of them as the Mad Dog? Something like that. They, they gave a, like that. Andy some kind. of... So I, yeah, I remember thinking like which one's which, and then very quickly I'm like, Oh, that one's the Mad Dog. <laughs> I mean, Andy doesn't seem particularly like a brain, but he's definitely not the Mad Dog of that pair. Yeah.
1: I Had a couple of moments of ambiguity, but uh, you know, then I don't know particularly you get to the bit where uh, you know he's got the gun on um, Jaka, the uh, 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 yeah, uh, the the head of the SWAT team. Uh, Jocka's got the knife and you know, motions into the room, gets him to drop the knife, drops the gun, does it classically. Uh, well, well, what this about is a, this is a guy who likes to fight.
2: Yeah. What about when he do, when he gets the brothers together? And just kind of gestures them like you step to one side, you step to the yeah. other. Okay. <laughs> now let's fight. That was that was awesome. That was that was awesome. That was pure in badassness.
1: And itself, itself, one of the most sheerly grueling uh, fight scenes that I've ever seen, up to the point where Mad Dog continues to fight with half of a fluorescent tube sticking out of his neck, jetting blood. <laughs> For what felt like another five minutes, I'm thinking the 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 only similarly durable villainous character that I can think of uh, might be Stephen Lang's character from Avatar. Uh, you know the 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 guy who would have who you know when you know humans finally write the history books. It says they w- he would have won that battle if the entire planet hadn't attacked him and if he hadn't spent seven minutes breathing an unbreathable alien atmosphere, mm-hmm. at which point he was impaled by a spear the size of a light pole.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's durability.
2: <laughs> well, what's his name? Daisu from Old Oldboy? During the hallway fight, he did have like sticks jutting out of his back for a large portion of the fight. Yeah, so I was kind of reminded of that. Obviously, they they weren't in his neck, so it's a little bit different, but still.
1: You get the feeling that Mad Dog runs on sheer adrenaline. Uh Um,
0: (laughs) The uh, the staging of that scene alone must have been intense. Just uh, the choreography, because in a in a script, typically a fight scene does not have all the steps of what's going to happen. It just says, and then they fight, and and that's it. That's pretty much all you get. Uh, so that that scene was so long that I just I can't I can't fathom how much work was put into the choreography to get it so smooth and interesting with a three person fight. I, I would absolutely say uh, the
1: same about, uh, you know, the long, long, long sequence in the drug lab where, you know, they just keep oh, yeah. coming in coming in with guys and guys keep getting thrown all over creation. And that that's the source of, I'd say, at least a good two to three of the instances that I could see in the movie of. That guy was not supposed to land that way. I really hope that he's all right. Uh, I don't know. But whoever choreographed the fight sequences uh, in this movie doesn't even deserve an Oscar. He deserves a goddamn medal. Uh, he, he deserves a lifetime contract from somebody to you know to pay him his worth. Uh, like I say, it's one of those things where I, I'm actually a little bit amazed that we've made it this far. It's just it's absolute a, yeah. iconic, you know, Combat action, you know, get in, get out uh, picture. It, it doesn't have a whole lot of depth. That's not what you're going for. It's it, it's it's like a Sunny Chiba movie. It's uh, it's like he's not doing the elegant stuff. I mean, there is tremendous elegance in a lot of the moves in this, but it is mostly just. Human bodies getting demolished in ways that you didn't think anybody was going to have the nerve to do it outside of Gaspar Noe's Irreversible.
2: Oh, God. Oh, jeez.
1: <laughs> yeah, I went there.
0: Except I liked this movie.
2: Oh, well, yeah, there you go. <laughs> I've only seen the first scene of that movie. That was enough.
0: Yeah. Eh. Gaspar Noe is a, uh, an acquired taste.
1: Not did. one that, not one that I have. Believe it or not, I know <laughs> that I have a reputation as being kind of a hipster douchebag, but uh, uh, no, no way. I do not like his movies. I really don't. I,
2: I, I, d- I did kind of like his latest one, the one about the dance school. I, think I didn't Climax. like
1: that movie. I, I th- fucking hated that
2: movie. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was interesting. I didn't it, love it, but
1: it was interesting. But I fucking hated it.
0: <laughs> what was the one that was done all in uh, from a first-person perspective?
2: Enter the oh, Void. Oh, uh, Enter the Enter Void. Enter the Void.
0: That's the one that I actually liked. I actually liked that one.
1: I've fallen asleep watching that movie at least twice. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, I yet to have a credible opinion on it. But uh, yeah, no, Noe is...
2: Uh, yeah, I've never seen that one.
1: No way is but... an interesting case. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm curious at some point to hunt up the 3D release of, uh, of Love, his Ménage à Trois movie, just because... It's a 3D menage a trois movie, and there's layers to that. But leaving that aside for the moment.
0: <laughs> um, well, does anybody have anything uh, else they want to say about the Raid Redemption before we uh, take our break?
2: Bring on part two.
0: That's all I have uh, to say. Looking
1: forward to part two. Uh, absolutely. If I hadn't already had my attention uh, you know, thoroughly ensnared for Gareth Evans uh, from Apostle, uh, which who Evans himself I, I knew about from having heard about the raid but not actually having seen it, uh, you know would mark him as a a major talent and someone to watch and somebody that somebody somebody really needs to uh, to cut loose. I am very much looking forward uh, to the next uh, film out of his uh, Netflix deal, uh, which apparently is a Welsh set uh, action movie with amongst others Tom Hardy and Timothy Oliphant called Havoc. Ooh apparently coming out sometime next year. When Gareth Evans titles a movie Havoc, <laughs> that gets my attention. Yeah, And of and, course, not to be confused with Gareth Edwards.
2: Yeah. <laughs> which, which I do all the time. <laughs> I do as well. I've everybody,
0: everybody does, but it's worth noting. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, on that, uh, why don't we go ahead and take our break? We will be right back. We're back. Uh, next up, we've got Dread. This Carl Urban film takes place in a post-apocalyptic future where the law, known as judges, act as judge, jury, and executioner. When some homicides are reported at the Peach Trees Megatower, Judge Dread and his rookie sidekick must find the killer in the 200-story monolith. Uh, whose pile was this on?
2: This was on my pile. I've never i have i've read or have not read the comics. I have seen the D- Judge Dread film. Have not seen this one. This is my first viewing. So, what did you think of Dread Redemption? <laughs> overall, overall, I liked it. Uh, I, it, I watched. So, I watched it after the rewatching the raid. I don't think it quite reached the heights of the raid, but you know, you can see the influences there. Um, it was, it was a solid action movie. I think. I mean, I think it had a little bit more plot, a little bit more characterization. I, I really liked the. Uh, I guess you would call her a sidekick or. Or uh, rookie or yeah. tag along, whatever. But yeah, played by Olivia Thurlby. Olivia Thurlby, yeah. yes. I-, I was actually pretty excited when the movie started and it was sort of revealed that it was going to be sort of a buddy movie because I didn't know that going in. And the fact that she was psychic did not know that was a thing in this universe, uh, which was, you know, an interesting little wrinkle.
1: Well, I mean, as I understand it, I haven't read a whole lot of uh, the Judge Red comics either, but it apparently also has lots of robots and aliens running around. So if anything, they kind of uh, you know c- clamped down on the scope of, uh, of Mega City 1. But in this case, it, it, it avoided the bloat of uh, the Stallone movie. Um,
2: I don't remember at all. I saw it as a kid, I believe.
1: It's, it's Demolition Man if it were on steroids and uh, really, really stupid. That's a little
2: mean to Demolition Man. <laughs> I kind of, I kind of remember liking Demolition Man.
1: I love Demolition. Yeah, Man. Yeah, that's what uh, I'm de- saying. Yeah, de- no, uh, uh, but uh, Judge Dredd basically played like a bad remake of Demolition Man. That was that. That was kind of my takeaway. Hmm. Uh, it, it it was uh, it, it was Demolition Man if it was you know bloated and stupid. That's... And it was. I mean, it was a and... buddy movie
2: with Rob Schneider, right? Was the, um, yeah, was that, it, right? am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, which
1: which worked a little bit in Demolition Man, but not really at all in in Judge Dredd. Uh well. I, it it had its moments, like uh, the bit with Max von Sydow getting um, exiled into the wastelands. You know that that was kind of an interesting moment. I mean, any moment with Max von Sydow is usually an interesting moment at this point in his career. The uh, rest his soul. Uh but uh, even so uh yeah you know, the, the the their first mistake was was letting him take the helmet off, and this is a movie where, aside from him putting a helmet on where we don't see the uh Carl uh, 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 Urban's face at the beginning of the picture, uh they made the right call because Dredd never, ever, ever takes his helmet off in uh in the source material, but in this case, it absolutely works for the character because this is a guy who would never take his fricking helmet off when he's on duty.
2: And I, I like the detail where, you know, Olivia Thurlby's Thirl- character doesn't put it on because it interferes with her psychic abilities. Of course, it's the filmmaker saying, we cannot cover up this pretty face that we've hired. <laughs> we need to show her face for the entire movie. We can't just have two people in helmets running around.
1: Credit where credit is due, it is an extremely pretty face. And she does make an impression yeah, for her acting chops in this case as well. Yeah, I thought uh, she was it, fantastic. It, it's a pity that she doesn't. She hasn't done much of anything with uh, with much of a profile after this. Uh, I'm I'm wondering what she's doing with herself.
2: Yeah, I did. I looked her up, and you know she was in Juno, and then I remembered she was. I guess she was probably one of the many wisecracking friends, but the prominent wisecracking friend, I believe, in Juno, and then this, and then uh, I don't know what else she was in.
1: A couple of relatively small projects, as I understand it. So mm-hmm. you know, somebody give this woman a good role. Somebody give this woman a contract, unless yeah. you know she's doing something else. In which case, more power to her. <laughs>
2: And I, I really like seeing Wood Harris in this because so I first uh, came across Wood Harris in The Wire. He and Stringer, or he and Idris Elba, played like the, the two sort of heavies the first few seasons. And we all see, we all know where Idris Elba's career has gone since then. And uh, it's it's just nice to see Wood Harris, you know, getting some roles. I think the last thing I saw Wood Harris in was in Southland Tales, <laughs> where he played. Uh, he was with Amy Poehler. They played that couple who were pretending to fight, and then they had squibs that were. I don't remember the details of that scene. Oh yeah, it was, so, it was so dumb. But anyways, Wood Harris, in case you guys didn't know, played the, the guy they had to escort around for the entire movie. I I don't remember his name. K. Yeah. Which I, again, thought, I thought he was fine.
1: And again, an an impressive uh, an impressive performance in a potentially very thankless uh, role. Uh, you know, is it, a little bit of uh, of mental sparring with uh, with Judge Anderson. Uh, is uh, one of the highlights of the movie from a characterization standpoint, uh, I think, for, for both characters. It's it's something that could have been a nothing role, uh, but uh, but he manages to make an impression in it. I mean, that's one of the, the, the things that I appreciate about this movie, is the care in the casting and giving all of the characters, almost all of the characters, however minor, uh, some note to play off of. I mean, I had completely forgotten that the tech guy in the Peachtree Towers was Donald Gleason, for pity's sake, oh. uh, as yeah. somebody who is completely at the end of his rope from <laughs> moment to moment. Uh, kind of an amazing uh, method performance of somebody who is just doing his damnedest not to get hurt again, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. as, as ultimately ends up being ki- kind of the turn on that character.
2: I had to look up if it was him, because I thought it was him. I am like, is that Donald Gleason? But he looks so fucked up. It, it, well, of course it was him. He kind of disappeared into the role.
0: I didn't realize that was him. Wow.
1: I, I had not remembered, and I saw, uh, but I saw it again last night, uh, and it's like, that was Donald Gleason. That's not quite the first place that I saw him, but it's probably pretty damn near the first place that I saw him. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, of course, Lena Hedy, who I had been Paying attention to for uh, for a while
0: even before this, uh, going back to. I for me it was uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles.
2: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I think she was in Three Hundred as well. I, I think
0: I, I think I go
1: just a little bit before that with uh, I want to say Imagine Me and You, which is a lovely little uh, lesbian romantic comedy with Piper Perabo and uh, Matthew Good that she was in. I want to say around two thousand six. Uh, I swear I saw her in something before that, but that's the earliest thing that I can remember off the top of my head. But uh, even so, her performance as Mama, whoever did the makeup on her 2-4 teeth. Yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, which, which especially stood out because I saw this again last night in 3D, which I think really does add a lot to this picture if anybody still has the technology to be able to watch it. Uh, I mean, particularly, obviously, the standouts are the slow-mo scenes and the scenes of people getting thrown down that enormous well in the beginning of uh, the Petrie Towers, uh, just from uh, a visual standpoint. But it's the little details that really stand out, like those couple of flecks of stuff. Uh, on the front of uh, of uh, Lena Headey's teeth, that it uh, it it it's the very tactile details, a little bit like the raid, that really go a long way toward making this movie. Even if the tactile details are, you know,
0: bullets going through
1: necks, or yeah, uh, this
0: was a hyper violent film. Like uh, you want to talk about violence in a, in a film? I, I think this was far more violent than the raid. It just the the viscera was. Was, it may have not been like violent frenetic like the raid was, but it was the viscera was was really on display it 's a hard it's a hard r from a uh, from a violent standpoint even by
1: american standards
0: yeah uh, which
1: i which I think kind of befits the source material a bit as well
0: uh, I do love the way that Carl urban says Mama, mama <laughs> I, I love the way he says it. he always says it the same way with that
2: gruff voice and that
0: <laughs> That permanent scowl he has—I yeah. love his permanent scowl.
2: It's his mouth upturned for the entire ninety minutes. <laughs>
0: well, it's one of those
1: bits where you get—it's such a perfectly observed performance. I mean, I mean, let's talk about Carl Urban for a second. Mm-hmm. You know, he—he's he, there and he's worth talking about. It's such a perfectly observed performance that even when his lips don't move, you can tell when he's smiling just a little bit. Yeah, just just a little bit. Uh, and I kept, uh, uh, kept thinking uh, uh, back to the uh, uh, to the line from uh, from Black Dynamite, and apparently, at least if we're to judge by the trailer uh, from uh, Josh Brolin as, Ger- as Gurney Halleck in the new Dune, I am smiling. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you, you can tell when he is suffering a moment of internal amusement, even if his bulletproof—and I mean bulletproof—deadpan. Uh, will not permit any
0: kind of external uh, presentation thereof. I, re- I remember that show he was on. Was it Almost Human, the the sci-fi show? Yeah, I was... wanted to see that just for him, but I never actually got a chance to see Incredible it. Incredible show. Cancelled far
1: too early. Well, it was Fox, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, exactly. That's kind of how that works. It's like, we want sci-fi properties. We won't support
2: them. Yeah, but now he's got a, now he's got a sweet Amazon gig. Probably not going away anytime soon. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. And he's. No, I, 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 I I like him in it. I don't like the show, but I think he's terrific in it. That show sure yeah. is hyper violent as well.
1: <laughs> yeah, Ur- Urban is one of those guys that I like to see in anything, uh, because he always makes a meal of it. Um, I, I mean, uh, I I think his uh, his, his bones from uh, from the new Trek movies is, is one of the objectively best aspect of those pictures. It's mm. one of the ones where even people who freaking hate those movies.
2: Me. Me. But and, I and, do like him in it. I do yeah. like Urban in it.
1: You have to admit that his bones is just grand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he is perfect. Perfectly cast. Now, I like those movies, but I, I yeah, like I say, I'll, i I would I would defend uh that I would de- I would defend Carl Urban's performance as Bones even to people who don't like those <laughs> movies. <laughs>
0: Um, I really loved uh the look of the film. Uh, it's it is this is where it diverges from from the raid. It's, it's a very grainy, uh, very uh sharply graded, high contrast film, and I love that kind of look. I, I feel like it kind of backs up the idea of the judges themselves as uh as as black and white, uh, kind of the the law versus uh versus not the law. It, it fits that, that milieu really nicely. At the same time, it did have those moments uh, here and there where the
1: color palette just exploded, uh, mm. most particularly, obviously, when blood was gushing out of somebody. Uh, but also the little, uh, uh, the drug-induced sequences, and the extraordinary set piece where, you know, there's the collection of miniguns that are focused on the other side of the building, just tearing through everything. The, the coloration of uh, of the gunfire in this movie, uh, not not just the mini guns, but also the one bit uh, where uh, where Dredd says incendiary, Man. and then it just explodes all over the place. Uh, the uh, 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 the firework, the literal fireworks in this movie, uh,
2: do pack a major visual punch. It's yeah, very, I can't imagine. Very... Oh, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well since Jenner, you watched it in three D. I can't. What what were those drug sequences like in three D? I mean, even. Oh they were freaking
1: rapturous. Uh, they <laughs> yeah. were
2: they, they were like they, overwhelming even just on a you know regular flat television. I'm like, "Wow, there's like so much going on visually."
1: You know, the the sheer collection of layers just by all of the weird little particles because there was usually, you know, like glass flying through the screen or in one case sweat, the little filament of spit that flies out of Eliza- Olivia Thirlby's mouth in uh, Kay's fantasy sequence about what he wants to do with her uh, is an absolutely show-stopping little visual effect in its own right. <laughs> this
0: I, you know, fling of spit. It's just, Ugh, uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I uh I I watched all those drug scenes trying to break down exactly how they did them, how they applied the filtration to, to make everything look shimmery like that. And I've started thinking about how I would have done it and i always find that to be the mark of a good movie when uh when i actually want to try to recreate the effects that they themselves have already uh perfected now granted uh, there were instances uh,
1: in in the video transfer where i thought uh just idly for a moment as is... I think they shot this on the same relatively early generation RED camera that Michael Mann used for Public Enemies, Mm. which led to an overabundance of grain and some weird video noise uh, in uh, particularly some of the high contrast bits that you were talking about. I'm not sure if that was a quirk of the transfer uh, or a quirk of the way that the film was actually shot. It gave it a weird sort of accidental found footage pseudo-documentary quality to it that I think I actually kind of like, even if it's an accident.
0: Yeah, I definitely like it. And that is very indicative of, uh, of the RED cameras, the early ones. Though I don't think Public Enemies was shot on RED. I think that was shot on a Vericam, but I'm uh, not I'll 100% ta- on that.
1: I'll, I'll take your word for it. It's just The, th- the thing that, uh, that uh, particularly stuck with me from Public Enemies was the way that the night scenes particularly looked like they were shot on... VHS. Like, like standard definition digital video, yeah, it was bad, like, it looked like high eight. this didn't quite reach that level of really mm-hmm. uh but uh but, but it did stand out in a couple of spots, and I'm wondering if the video noise was an aspect of uh the uh the shooting or the transfer, even so, I don't think it necessarily redounded the film's advantage. it was just you know, there had that moment of well, if that's a choice, well.
0: That's a choice. I'm pretty sure the grain was placed there in some of the some of the scenes, at least possibly digitally, um, added in post. It's an interesting possibility,
1: but uh, I don't. Know, it, it's it's a technically pretty assured movie. I know that it was not the smallest uh, budget in the world. It was you know a relatively compact budget. Uh, barely made its money back uh, in terms of raw budget. Nothing for uh, for uh, advertising when it was originally released in the U.S., but it's another one of those instances where the thing has been so thoroughly embraced in the video aftermarket uh, that it has become a kind of a legitimate organic cult classic, it, it possibly even especially amongst people who were regally pissed off by what Sylvester Stallone and those guys did to Judge Dredd. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, 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 again, going I, to, to Cracker Jack will sell itself.
2: I, I, yeah, I remember... I remember passing on it when it first came out. I'm like, oh, a remake of Judge Dredd. I, I don't know if I knew at the time that it was based on a uh, graphic novel, not just a you know remake of an old movie from the 90s. But then as soon as, after it came out and after it kind of went away, I started hearing about how awesome it was. Probably from you guys, but also just kind of word of mouth was that this movie was awesome and that it should have done better.
1: Well, I mean, it, it's, it's awesomely set. I mean, the... One of the cliches in a lot of movies is, you know, the city is a character. Well, in this case, the city isn't a character, but that tower sure as hell is a character. Mm, a monolith. Uh, Peach exactly. trees.
3: <laughs>
1: I mean, I mean, to the point where the actual height of the thing itself becomes an essential MacGuffin at the climax of the movie. <laughs> uh, but at the same time, uh, it is lovingly cast... Carl Urban as, uh, as, uh, as Dread is absolutely 100% freaking flawless mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone saying, I am the law, <laughs> b- became such a joke that I just made it again. <laughs> Whereas when Carl Urban as Judge Dredd says, I am law, you fucking believe
0: him. Yeah. Yeah. Judgment. Oh. <laughs> that, was, that was awesome.
1: No, he, I mean, he's just perfect. And in the meantime, the writing as sort of a slice of life inside of uh, the world of, or the much larger world of uh, this comic property. Uh, I, I think we have to give a tremendous amount of credit to uh, to Alex Garland, uh, who apparently started working on this uh, while Sunshine was, uh, was in post-production. Another sort of, you know, latter-day minor masterpiece. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, of course, before he launched off onto his own very interesting directorial career with, uh, with Ex Machina and uh, Annihilation, which is another one, that latter one particularly, if you guys haven't seen it, we should do that on this program at some point. Annihilation
2: is very good. It's been on my, I've owned the Blu-ray for at least three years and haven't watched it yet.
0: <laughs> oh, we might have to do that one. Maybe it's a, I, I, well... maybe
1: it's a double feature with Stalker. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> To be fair, I so I read the fair. book. I, the, 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 I
2: read the book. The book was all right. The, the, so it's part of a trilogy. The books, the second two books were god awful. Books <laughs> two and three. So I've kind of put off because is
1: well, I, for what it's worth, Annihilation is not going to get a sequel in the cinema. Right, but <laughs> no. does does it set it, up for a sequel or is it, it a pretty? It complete... kind it kind of doesn't need it.
2: Okay,
0: um, yeah, it's, no, a, it's, it's a finished a, story by the end of it. OK, you know, so... that's,
1: that's one I'd like to talk about at some point. But, uh, you know, Garland uh, is is one of those low key heroes of, well, genre cinema in general. I mean, uh, he, he was uh, he was writing the script uh, for this one, like I say, right after Sunshine and apparently right before he was starting to do uh, uh, executive producer tasks on 28 Weeks Later, which I actually prefer to 28 Days Later in the spirit of you know uh, mildly unpopular opinions. Mm mm-hmm. uh, but, I've always uh, seen the
2: first one. The second, second, one, is un-
1: the second one is underappreciated. Yeah. It, the second one will make you think about the relationships in your sphere. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's Robert Carlyle, right? That was Robert yeah. Carlyle and Catherine McCormick and Rose Byrne mm-hmm. and uh, Harold Perrineau. And uh, just, yeah, really underappreciated movie. And it's a movie that will re- remind you of, at the risk of diverging a little bit too long here, it's a movie that will remind you of the old line that... A uh, a man will give up his child before he will give up his woman. A woman will give up her man before she will give up, give up her child. And a child will give up both of his parents before he will give up himself.
0: No, yeah, cool.
1: yeah.
2: yeah. Think and, about and
1: that. Think about that and see twenty eight weeks later and get back to
2: me. Anyway, and aren't they going to do like a twenty eight months later or twenty eight years later or something like that? They've phenomenal? been talking. They've
1: been talking about months for a long, long time now. Um, I want to say there are some things that have sort of painted at standing in for it. Uh, I know there was something very specific that I was thinking about that basically could have been 28 months later if they had actually bothered to make it. I'm forgetting what it was. It wasn't War of the Dead, which was really good, but it wasn't War of the Dead. I don't know, I'm drawing a blank on that one. But it's something they've been talking about for ages, it's just they've uh, never quite gotten around to it, because, well, both Alex Garland and Danny Boyle are really, really, really freaking busy. Uh, Which is probably as it should be. They're both really, I think, stellar talents. I mean, a little bit hit and miss like uh, like, uh, a lot of stellar talents. They're not geniuses, but they're really, really supremely good filmmakers. And so I think Gar- Garland's input goes a long way. I mean, the uh, one of the things that a lot of people did hit about uh, Dread, as I uh, uh, as I understand it, is that they failed to see the uh, the uh, the satire running under the hood. And on this most re- most recent viewing, I really think I really think it's there. It's just really subtle.
0: Yeah, yeah, you know, that like- would be extremely subtle. Yeah,
1: not, not quite as broad as the source material, but frankly, the, the source material was broad to the point of sloppiness at times.
2: Wow. Yeah, I, I mean, the fact that the food, the food court reopens in 30 minutes after two bodies have been dropped down. <laughs> you know, one sh- just the other day, one shot was fired at, at my local mall, and no one was hurt. And the place was a zoo for like two days. <laughs> and they're like, oh, dead bodies, food court reopens in 30 minutes. <laughs> to show you what kind of world this peach trees is or you know mega city 1 or whatever it's called. Yeah.
1: Now, I may mean, make no mistake, there, there are there are some th- some things that I think could be read either as flaws in the movie or as subtle bits of parodying of the way that movies like this tend to go. Like in one critical scene very near uh, the uh, the climax of the picture, uh uh Judge Anderson basically forgets that she's psychic. <laughs>
0: Uh, in, in fact, that ha- uh, is kind of a keynote of a lot of the last act of the movie. Um, Until she really needs it when that one judge comes out and says, lower your gun, rookie, I'm your backup. It just shoots her dead. But That's the thing.
1: You know, she hesitated, but she still shot her dead. Whereas, of course, the uh, the other judge said that she'd have the drop on her because she'd hesitate. Right. She did hesitate. <laughs> <laughs> this is, of course, right before uh, one of the... Uh, one of, one of the most giggle-worthy talking killer sequences that I can think of. Yeah. The great, the great Judge Dread. All you can come up with is wait, <laughs> <laughs> and he goes on about it for like a minute. At which point he finally gets shot. You know, the uh, the villainous judge finally gets shot dead. I feel like that's a joke. Yeah. I feel uh, like yeah. the people who made this movie are smart enough. That that was them just kind of winking at us just a little bit. Yeah,
2: I think another joke, which may have been a purposeful subversion, but I'm not quite sure. But a movie like this typically has, like, like let's say Die Hard in the Raid has like a heavy or a final boss that they have to fight. And this one, uh, Mama has that right hand man, and in the middle of the movie, Judge Dredd just throws him off the building, doesn't even look. Or acknowledge Mama and just walks away. Like, I thought they were setting that guy up to be like the the big boss. He has to fight at the end before he gets to Mama. But nope, just throws him off.
1: At the climax of that earlier, uh, the set piece that I mentioned earlier, of course, of uh, just the absolute orgy of bullets tearing up the other side of the bill uh, of the building. There, I mean, that Lord knows what kind of ammunition they were using on that thing. But they were they were penetrating all the way to the exterior of the building. Uh, I I'm thinking that, that that as far as gun porn, that may be the Na Plus Ultra that I have ever yeah. seen.
0: Yeah, I felt so bad for uh, Donald Gleason. That's the poor computer guy, constantly put upon, with PTSD and all sorts of because Mama's con- constantly over his shoulder with knives on him and and whatnot. I felt so bad for that character. And yet, at the same time, when uh, when Judge Anderson cut him loose, it was. Actually, a really
1: wonderful character beat, yeah, uh, I, I think, both explaining his character and explaining what was going on with her character it's like i 'm still a judge, I still have say so over this. He gets to go if i can't do anything else after today, that 's the thing that I did. I thought that was a wonderful, wonderful little moment, uh sort of a- as some people have observed dread. Only has a little bit of a character arc in this movie, so most of the character growth is left to Judge Anderson. Uh, I think they make a good team in that regard. I think uh, I am. I don't know. There, there is word that there is finally, after people having beaten the drum for literally ten years now, uh, active development on a sequel. Yeah. Uh, for the oh. for, for this going forward uh again as with uh as with the raid although obviously it's going to take a little bit longer i am really looking forward to the second installment of this series
0: i heard it was going to be a tv
1: show if they can get carl urban you
0: know oh he's in
1: oh yeah i was about if they, if they can get carl urban just tell me which uh tell me which streaming service to point my uh, uh to point my uh, my browser to
0: yeah <laughs> i would definitely be all in on uh on that speaking of uh um movies like video games uh this one had plenty of mini bosses in it including the uh the introduction of four judge mini bosses for uh for each of the characters I, re- I really enjoyed that
1: yeah i uh yeah no i mean there are, there are movies that play like uh that video games uh, play like video games i suppose considering that i don't think that the raid was really a conscious uh model for this one this was probably just another one of those incidents because they were both 2011 films. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh,
0: uh, I believe Dred- I thought Dread was 2012.
1: Uh, let me take a quick look here. Uh, yeah, 2012. So just after the raid, but yeah. even so, it was already pretty much in development uh, when the raids uh, started to hit big. It's stuff floats around the the zeitgeist. We've seen yeah, this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that said, the uh, the whole you know get in, handle the building, get out of the building alive uh, structure it's still relatively iconic. Uh I, Game I think of if death. yeah, no, I I think if they were going to uh take the dread stuff after as I say the abs- the abject bloat of the Sylvester Stallone version from the 90s, uh a a day in the life project was probably way to, uh, the way to do it. You know, kind of uh you know, side story your way into the larger universe of the thing.
0: Yeah. Um so yeah,
1: you know, from a standpoint of narrative structure i think uh, I, I think it's a very good approach there that said i have uh, just as a complete incidental i have to express a moment of abject joy and love in the spirit of the details of the thing for that skate ramp that just happens to be outside the building and those skaters whose only interaction with the story going on inside the building is the one bit where the two judges, you know, ended up plunging out of a hole in the wall. <laughs> they were fine. They were just hanging out on their skate ramp. They couldn't have been happier, aside from po- the possible measure of concern as to, we ever going to get back inside the building? <laughs> but in, in the spirit of wonderful, practical, grounded-feeling, realistic, memetic details, if an entire bu- if one building is basically its own city-state, that's absolutely something that would happen. It's a perfect little detail, and it's just indicative of the care that went into making this from the top to the bottom. I would like to see more theatrical films, uh, or indeed features just in general, uh, from Pete Travis, the guy who directed this, but he's mostly worked in television, as far as I understand.
0: Mm. Well... Um, does anybody have any final thoughts on, uh, on Dread before we close out the show? Looking forward to the sequel, hurry it the fuck up.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, that, if it happens, I'll be in. Yeah, I, definitely. I, 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 I enjoyed this movie.
1: Cracker, I, I Jack a-
0: Cracker Jack AF, see it. Yeah, I would agree. It's a, it's a, I really enjoyed this film, and I would definitely recommend it.
1: I mean, look at it this way. We saw it right after the
0: raid. It has the same story
1: as the raid. You won't care. (laughs) It's fine.
0: It's fine. That's, that's, yeah, there we go. It's fine. (laughs) Uh, That's going to do it for us here on What's on the Pile. Uh, You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at What's on the Pile, or you can visit our website, whatsonthepile.com. Thanks for hanging out.
4: Uh, they're more closely related to uh, cacti than, uh, the, you know, the Earth primates, but... <laughs> Deep the in the forgotten corners of our galaxy, a mighty space hulk blazes through the stars. Prime. Its crew, a motley gang of misfits, who are just out for a good time. sparking for <laughs> yes, okay. They have harnessed the mysterious fuel called Nostalgia. And we're up, all right. Rah! By remembering the cartoons of their youth, Now, standing in their way, the evil Emperor Sorbax. Stand down and prepare to be Who just wants to shut this crew down and conquer every planet along the way. Thankfully, their ship holds a weapon with enough firepower to restore the balance.
0: Yes, you neglected the anime space cannon.
4: They are. The bastards of the universe.
2: I think you know damn well who
4: we are. Thursdays at eight. Let's cast this pod. I Only know. on which.